All right, welcome back to the True North Podcast. My name is James McKenzie, and I have Trey Dixon with me today. Trey, what's going on, man? Man, just excited for today's podcast. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good one because it's a subject that so many of our men need to hear about marriage, right? Absolutely. So would you introduce the guests that we have today? Man, so I'm so excited. So I got to meet Scott and Lori Briggs um, several months ago. Uh, they had were kind of asking around about who some different people that were passionate about marriage, and Amy and I's name got thrown into the mix, and so got to meet this couple, and instantly realized that we were kindred spirits. I mean, that our hearts for God and for marriage, and what God, true God honoring marriages look like, and so we've gotten to kind of partner up on some different events, and just really gotten to kind of know them and their heart for marriage and what they're doing, and so so excited to have them here today. Um, Scott and Lori, welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be Thank here, you. Trey. Absolutely. So do me a favor. Tell me about yourselves. Like, you know, I kind of know some of these things, but so all of our listeners, give us, you know, how long have you guys been married? What do you do? Kids. And then after that, why did you even get into marriage ministry? Like, what's your story that kind of led you down this path? So turn it over to you guys. Let's hear. So, yeah, so Scott and Lori, uh, we've been married actually 25 years. I hit that last May. Wow, congratulations. Uh, so thank you. Not too far from, uh, from the 26th. Uh, we do have two kids, a 22-year-old daughter who's in nursing school and a 19-year-old son uh, who's finding his way and figuring out what's next. Uh, <laughs> but we actually love the fact that they're both still at home, uh, and so we still have uh, a lot of independence on their part, but we also have a lot of time to still connect with them. And, and one of the things we love doing is, is modeling what we hope is a healthy marriage and, and making that impact on them as they are both engaged in three-year relationships themselves. Um, and so that's, a, that's something that we think and pray a lot about. Now, what I love what you guys didn't see, because obviously listening to the podcast, is when I put that question, Scott's looking over at Lori going, you, me, who's going first? And so I love that, that those things in marriage, it's like, wait a minute, who goes, what do you, and all those things. So, but Lori, what were you going to say? Um, well, we met because I was working with his mom. Um, we were both counselors in the public schools <clears throat> back in Shawnee. And um, I've always had a passion for marriage back as far as when my dad, who was a pastor, sat me on his lap when he was um, on a Sunday after he had preached. And he, um, I was six years old and he said, I'm leaving, you know, um, I don't love your mom anymore. Mm. And, um, I looked and I saw my mom in the kitchen crying doing the dishes and I felt very powerless, um, at that time. And I think that that is where I grew a really determination to like try and figure it out. My dad got remarried, um, very quickly to a younger woman. Um, my mom, um, has been married three different times. Um, and she told me, um, early on, like, you don't need a man um, you know, so yeah. I learned like just to depend on myself, become independent. Um, but then, uh, through those three marriages, I learned about things like my second father was an alcoholic. Um, and so I learned about what it felt like to be a child of an alcoholic, also what it felt like to be a child of divorce and which led me into my career being a counselor. So I was a drug counselor in the schools, which is where I met his mom. And, um, we just became kindred spirits, and I actually lived with his older sister, and I thought his parents, who had been married 
27 years at the time, I thought I had found the perfect marriage. And so I was idolizing his mom and dad's marriage. He was like a little brother to me. We would hang out at the lake together and I would coach his sister on how to handle his girlfriend. And (laughs) um, so all that to say that um, I went to school to really determine to, um, to figure out how to do marriage right. I got my master's degree in counseling, human relations with an emphasis in counseling, but studied marriage and family. And um, then his parents got divorced Uh while we were working together. And that rocked my world, rocked his sister's world, rocked his world. Um, And that's when we became like really close friends. Yeah, so the the timing is very different for us in that my parents were married for 28 years before divorce came along, but but we both had you know the same really strong desire to make sure that our uh, our kids in the future didn't have to deal um, with divorce and not just divorce, but that they didn't have to deal with unhealthy marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, because of the family connection, we were friends for a good while. Uh, but when we uh, entertained the idea of dating, we we agreed very quickly um, that we were going to head towards marriage and and that we again wanted to do things that would put us on a really firm footing as it related to developing a healthy marriage, a marriage that, you know, would not uh, end in divorce. And so we did a lot of things from the very beginning, uh, even before marriage, to, to try to build that foundation, attended a lot of seminars, a lot of conferences on marriage. Um, you know, we very quickly started teaching um, just some marriage content, uh, whether that was Sunday school or another small groups. We had some younger couples that we mentored for a while um, as they were like newlyweds. So we did all these things to really build a strong foundation um, and and had a lot of fun doing that. But then as happens with many couples, you know, we, we stumbled along the way yeah. um, and we both uh, committed, you know, violations of love and trust, which are really important for any relationship and marriage. Um, and you know those those violations led to quite a bit of pain uh, mm-hmm. for both of us, um, and led to a number of things, certainly individual and couples counseling, but but really came to a crossroads where we needed something bigger and, and sort of deeper than that. And so we ended up at the Hideaway Experience in Amarillo, Texas, which is a, a marriage intensive, um, four or five days of really intense uh, counseling with licensed therapists uh, in a small group setting. Uh, and there we found um, quite a bit of, of healing and some, some really good restoration that we both needed individually and as a couple. Um, and then coming out of, of that experience, we really doubled down on our desire to, to engage in sort of that ongoing marriage ministry where we could try to help other couples find healing, restoration, um, and, and build you know, that healthy marriage that we had always envisioned. So let me ask you this. So what does that look like today? So saying that, you know, we have a heart for marriage ministry, what is that? What are some of the things that you guys are doing with couples today? What we learned at the hideaway was really looking at yourself and looking at your own kind of core pain. And that's a little bit different than looking at how to communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the speaker, listen to the speaker, this is the listener, you know, like some of the generic techniques that you learn in relationship classes um this was like much deeper this was like okay I want you to look at you know why did you um go and have this emotional affair (laughs) um you know what was triggering that um 
and what are some of the things that from your past are causing you to behave in the way that you are? And that was different because that was looking at myself. It wasn't looking at the other person, which again, we all know that as my mom says, after being married three times, they all have issues. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I knew (laughs) that we all have issues (laughs) and men and women, right? We, we think that we'll just go and find a new one. And after a couple of years of being married, you realize, you know, wow, like you're showing me things about myself that I don't like. And we assume it's them. Um, if you would just stop doing this, then I wouldn't be responding in this way. And so that is what I like teaching the most is because it is below the surface. Some people like to stay on the surface, but I'm somebody that would much prefer to like, let's dive in and figure out where are these coping behaviors coming from because they didn't come from my spouse. Yeah. They came from me probably very young, you know, learning what it feels like to feel abandoned and what did I do to respond to that. And I became depressed. I became, you know, um, I withdraw. And when he experiences um, feelings of unloved and not being feeling safe, he tends to try to fix and try to control, try to perform, which causes me to feel even more (laughs) um, uncomfortable and not valued. And so it becomes a cycle, which is what we learned, which is what we teach. And fortunately, they did have a curriculum called Five Days to a New Marriage, Five Days to a New Self, which we have been leading couples through ever since 2011. Whenever we came back, we were like, what God has done in us, we want to do you know, for others. And so we've had couples come over. And it wasn't until he lost his job at um, the Daily Oklahoman in 2018 when we decided to press in and say, okay, like, Maybe we could start a ministry out of this. And so that's when we started for the love of all that's good and holy, um, because that's something that he used to say in exasperation. Um, that's when we started for the love ministries in 2018 and decided we would really just pour into couples as much as we could. So before 2011, did you guys have any kind of community around you pouring into your marriage or was this event, this retreat that you went to, like something completely different than you've ever experienced before, any healing, anything like that? So that's interesting that you asked that because we were very involved in a Sunday school class. And um, at the time, I was having an emotional affair with one of our, with a past boyfriend. And I remember going to two of my friends in Sunday school class. And one friend said, follow your heart. Mm. Maybe he is your soulmate. And I was like, that doesn't really sound like something. (laughs) You know, but I mean, I listened, right? And I was like. Job had some bad friends too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then another friend of mine said, lock all four doors. (laughs) Um, This is a wolf in cheap clothing. Yep. Like run the other way. And then I went to another girlfriend because I was scared. I was scared because I did have a good husband. Um. And I knew it was a spiritual attack. I knew that it was the enemy trying to ruin what we had built. And because we had a firm foundation of a friendship, because we had gone away every year and been very intentional to figure out what do we want our marriage to be. um, I remember going to that third friend and her saying, 
you're trying to fight the battle in your own flesh. Like you're trying to fight the enemy and you need to just turn to God and lean into him and be obedient and faithful. You know, like it doesn't have to be this like get behind me, Satan. You know, it was, I need to be faithful to my husband Mm -hmm. and I'm not right now. And I need to turn away from what I want (laughs) to what God has given me and count that a gift and know I don't feel these feelings of love right now for you. They'll come back Mm -hmm. because feelings come and go. And when she told me that it gave me the ability to let God fight for me and let me kind of get behind him and do the fighting, which then led us to the hideaway, which then those two friends were able, willing quickly to take our kids and said, go. And how did you come across the retreat? Uh, a friend of ours who was a counselor who went to our church, he mentioned it. And um, he had been doing, um, Marty Loberg is his name. He's a therapist here in Edmond. He had been already doing the intensives there. And so he said, I think you should go to Amarillo. And I didn't want to. (laughs) I was like done. And so. But I think your questions about communities are a really good one because I'd say back at that time, we did not have a, a good structure. We were we were typically the ones pouring into other marriages, um, and we had individuals, friends. We certainly could talk to, like Lori mentioned, but we didn't really have that that set sort of structured community where where there was you know uh, both direction uh, kind of accountability or conversation as much as we were doing the teaching and the sharing and trying to build up. Um, and we didn't really have an older couple necessarily that we spent time with regularly or that group that was also asking us how we were doing. Um, they were interested um, and they engaged when we finally said, hey, here's where we are, but not on the, on the front of it. Yeah, so, so you're passionate about building stronger marriages, but yet found yourself in this situation. What, what needed to change to, to make the light bulb come on or, or what happened at that retreat that you realized, oh, I've been pouring out all the information I know to have stronger marriages, but I actually needed to be doing this. Yeah, that's a great question. I'll start for me. I mean, for me, the, the big change, uh, the big awareness or learning was that um, while I had a role to play in, uh, in our marriage, certainly I could not own Lori's happiness. I could not be responsible for being the one to to do everything to make her happy and feel good because when I tried that for you know many years, feeling very natural that that was sort of my role, but but I'm not capable of that. No husband is capable of that right. for their wife or the other way around. And so what I would tend to do when when she was not then happy or was dealing with depression, for example, I would take that on and 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 feel like I failed and which would make me want to perform more, which would then trigger, you know, feelings in her that were not uh, helpful or healthy. And so recognizing that when we went to the hideaway, it was really about digging into ourselves and our uh, our lies, what were we believing that wasn't true, and then discovering the truths to counter that and really focusing on what I could control. Um, certainly there's a, there's a point where I can breathe truths into Lori because as she learned her truths, she could share those with me and I could then reinforce them. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't my job to make those real to her necessarily. She had to do that work. I had to do my work uh, where I was believing lies and believing that I wasn't enough or believing that you know I wasn't loved. Um, and so as we did that individual work, it opened my eyes to the fact that 
Um, I still absolutely want her happiness, but it doesn't rest on my shoulders. That's not my job. My job is to do what I can to, to be a devoted, loving husband who's providing, you know, that, that part of the relationship, um, but not taking on and owning everything that wasn't going great on her side. So what I love about that is what I tell people all the time is we all bring baggage into marriage. Absolutely. Some of us bring an overnight bag and some of us bring a U-Haul. <laughs> right. And I always say, you know, in Amy and I's marriage, she brought the overnight bag and I brought the U-Haul. But what you're really saying in that is if all we do, if we don't address our baggage, a new person, new relationship is not going to fix our baggage. Right. All we're doing is bringing the baggage from this broken relationship. And, and now now I'm bringing two U-Hauls into the next relationship, into the next marriage. Right. And what you guys are really saying is you've got to stop allow Jesus to do the work, do the hard work to look at yourself to get that healing for you so that in your existing relationship, existing marriage, there is no baggage or just an overnight bag. Is that, I mean... I, I agree. It's a good way to put it. And so you also said something earlier, Lori, that was so huge that I think a lot of people struggle with and you kind of glazed over it. And so I want to go back to it. You said, I can't rely on my feelings because feelings come and go. And I don't know that I've had a day of counseling in the last several years that somebody hasn't come in and said, we've fallen out of love and talking about those emotions. And so that's a very real thing, but do me a favor and share from your perspective and how you would address that and what that kind of, what that looked like for you in your marriage and how you would kind of walk through someone through that even now. There is probably some statistics or research around you get that excited feeling when you're in love and you see this person and you get this arousal I think it's maybe 18 months maybe even less depending yeah on when that will go away right so that honeymoon stage yeah. everything is beautiful Puppy love. right um and I think that some people get addicted to that and then go, oh, well, I'm out of that. So I'm going to go on to the next, right? Which is where like, oh, you know, you turn me on, right? In scripture, and we, of course, in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, the love is patient, love is kind, all that. And we know all those things that is an incredibly, it, I'm not sure there's a single wedding that ever hasn't used that somewhere in it. Um, but the problem is we tend to misunderstand it and we hear that love is patient, love is kind, doesn't boast, that it endures all things, you know, love never ends. The problem is, what's love? And in the Greek, they had four different words for love. And the first two, I'm not going to skip over, but one of them was eros, E-R-O-S. And it's where we get the word erotic. And eros is the passion. It's the feeling. Like you said, it's those tingles. And that's a good thing. And I always say a marriage without eros, honestly, is a crappy marriage and not what God intended. And that eros is a very real thing. And I believe that's what God actually uses to pull us into relationships and into marriage. But that's not the love that endures all things. That's not the love that never ends. Eros can come and go. Like you said, feelings can come and go. And I always joke that there's not a whole lot of eros in the third trimester of pregnancy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and praise God, that's not the eros that we're to stand on. Or that's not the love that we're to stand on. The fourth one is agape. And agape is that unconditional love. And what makes it unconditional is because we choose it. It's that love that we choose to stand on. And people, what I try to get people to see is when you choose love, even if you've lost the feeling, 
eventually God blesses with the feeling. The feeling returns. If you will choose love, the feeling returns. The eros will come back. Now, conversely, though, if you don't choose agape, if you don't choose that unconditional love, you'll never get the feeling back. You'll end up trying to find it with someone else, but then you'll end up in that same destructive cycle. And so it's chasing the feeling instead of making the choice. So what does choosing love in a marriage look like for yeah. you guys? What's the, what are yeah. the things that's like, oh, okay, I need to choose love in this moment. What's that look like for you guys? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of times it's just, I mean, we're all at, at, at the root of who we are. We're all, we all have selfishness built into us, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a lot of times it's just asking ourselves, what am I wanting to do and how is that going to impact our usness, our, our relationship? And, and if it's something that's just all about me and it actually has kind of a negative impact on Lori, on our relationship, then that's where choosing is, is choosing other than that selfish action, mm-hmm. um, whatever that, whatever that might look like. And so, um, to me, it's just, it's walking through your day and your thoughts and your emotions and, and being willing to kind of examine those as you go uh, and recognizing that if you're going down a path that's going to be hurtful, then, then you, you know that you're going to make a choice. You're going to choose to hurt or you're going to choose to do something that, um, that is going to preserve. Yeah. So to me, it's just it's being willing to kind of have that awareness um, by engaging in conversation either with your spouse or with another accountability partner, or sometimes you're just sitting down with the Holy Spirit and with God in prayer and, and saying, you know, here's, here's what I'm struggling with. And, and it may be a small struggle, maybe a big struggle, but even small ones can, can chip away, obviously, at what we call the usness of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you say that's a, is that a daily? Like, obviously, we know we got to walk with God daily, right. I mean, minute by minute. We know we need that. But as far as a 25-year marriage, mm-hmm. like, how, as far as frequency, do you find yourself, is it still just a daily thing every day? Like, I've got to choose love in this moment. Or does it come more natural and it's more like a once-a-month thing? It kind of comes up, you realize, I need to choose love right now. Yeah. What's that look like? I think it's pretty constant. Um, it may not be um, a big like aha moment or a big struggle, but I think I think walk through most of our days, and and I might um, be more inclined if I know that Lori's one of her love languages is acts of service. Um, if I'm in tune with that, then it may become more and more natural. It might almost become subconscious, but I'm aware re- regularly that I'm choosing to. Uh, empty the dishwasher or fold the clothes uh, or on the rare occasion do the toilets which is the ultimate for for Lori hey you're making Um, the rest of this guy's look bad let's keep that under wraps um, that's very rare but but I'm I'm aware that when I'm doing those things I'm not doing them because I enjoy them I'm doing them because I think it will lighten her load and make her feel loved so that's that intentionality of choosing love how you know it speaks love to her that's even when you don't feel it, right? but making that choice, that's powerful. I do want to say something to that because this was a struggle for us is um, I was very sexually active from a young age and um, I was definitely seen as an object by men. So that played into our relationship because he was not as sexually active before so I saw um 
men objectifying me. So when I got married, I wanted to be married for who I was, my heart. I want you to love me for who I am. However, he was very, his primary love language is physical touch, right? So then therefore, I need to give him the very thing that I have given away completely and I'm done I'm tapped out at 26 (laughs) you know like uh, when we have kids we can have sex but other than that right like it was it was almost it was very sad because it did put a damper on he felt unloved Mm -hmm. when I wanted to be loved by him for who I was and he was loving me for that but he was also desiring to be intimate and that was something that I think caused him to feel even more um I mean more like I don't he doesn't measure up he's not enough for me you know so I think that's a whole nother element of when you really are able to talk about those things in your relationship which I'm surprised that some couples don't feel comfortable talking about it most Um, don't you know, and so I have to be very intentional and in knowing, like, holding his hand and kissing him. And it's almost like God put us together. It's like his least favorite thing to do is talk heart to heart thing, and that's mine. And his is physical touch, which is the least of my love languages. And he kind of put us together to, like, grow each other, right? And then, and over the last 12 years, we've been able to do a much better job of, you know, especially because of my mental health issues of depression, he's really had to love me anyways, you know, and, and he's done a really good job of that. Yeah. So it's back to your, your question about how, what does choosing love look like? I mean, again, it's different for every couple, but for Lori and, and the, the spouse in every relationship, who's been more on, on her side of the, of the fence on the topic of sex, it's, it's choosing to, um, to give yourself, to share yourself mm-hmm. on a reasonable frequency, right? So that's, again, more of the give and take and the compromise, while the other partner is, is growing in patience and choosing patience as a form yeah. of love. Yeah. So it just depends on the topic for what it looks like, but almost every topic, there is a, there is a visible manifestation of what that choice looks like. Right. So let me ask you this, because John Eldridge actually, in their Love and War, um, says that marriage is a divine conspiracy, mm-hmm. and that it is God's way of luring us into a relationship for him to begin to do a deeper work in you that he couldn't do any other place, yeah. and that this this environment of marriage that's so authentic, so transparent, that's 24-7 till the day we die, um, it is the deepest relationship we ever engage in. What is God after? What is his divine conspiracy for the Briggses? Like, Lori, I'm going to start with you. What has God used through Scott to work in you? I think for me, when he um, confirmed to me in 2011 that he wasn't going anywhere, um, just reassured me that I, I really believed him, you know, and he's been faithful um, to me in that. Um, and I think I needed that, not having a dad that was willing to stay the course 
through thick and thin and through the trials and through the storms and I have not been easy (laughs) um and so and I think that teaches us what it's like to I mean I think that's what God designed it for right is to know like um and I know we can't be that we can't be God to each other um and we always are going to fall short but it really did it was a gift of just knowing that he wasn't going anywhere. It's good. I think when I think about, you know, what God has done in partnership with Lori, you know, through our marriage, uh, the, I think the, the biggest uh, differences in me today versus when we got married, um, I'm a much calmer person. I'm a much more patient person. Um, and, and that was Lori partnering with God and me to figure out the importance of both of those things for our relationship as well as my relationship with our kids um, and else, elsewhere. And I, I think the thing that he continues to work on me on, and this is really important for our relationship, is the importance of and the ability to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I don't, I don't need a whole lot of words necessarily. I don't need a whole lot of quality time um, but those are things that are very important, you know, for Lori, which is typically the case for at least one person in every relationship. And so just realizing that that is something you can develop that as, as a skill, as an ability, you can get better at it. Um, and I, I think that, that I'm certainly a work in progress on that, but I do think that's something that, um, God is working in me for both our relationship as well as just the quality of, of relationships I have with other, with other men. That's so good. i Andy Stanley said something that I thought was so powerful one time that kind of hits on what you were just saying. He said, you know, we're triune beings made in the image of a triune God. We're mind, body, and spirit. And that God loved us so much that he took his love and he wrapped it in skin. And that first time it was through Jesus, the next time was through our spouse that that is a person we get to hold, we get to cherish, that you may not need as many words, but she does. You may not need Lori the touch, but Scott does. And that God, knowing our needs, loved us that much that he wrapped a human being. He gave us his love embodied in our spouse. And that just the power of that, when we can, when we can learn to see our spouse in that way and engage them in that way, just what it does to our own hearts. And how our marriage begins to come alive and flourish. So let me ask you guys this as we kind of start to wrap this up here. What are you guys doing today? Like what? So if a couple was to come to you and say, hey, you know, what's we're struggling or we need some help or maybe even just a young couple that wants to kind of be mentored in something. What do you guys do? How can someone get a hold of you guys? I mean, are you guys open to working with people? And so what does that look like? Share with them. Because somebody out there listening is going, we need something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we do have a, a website out there, uh, www.4theluvministries.com. Um, and that, that's an easy way to get in touch with us. Uh, has you know number and an email uh, contact uh, out there. And, you know, most of the couples we work with are, are – typically just word of mouth, you know, friends or acquaintances um, that find their way to us. Uh, but we wanted to have that, that sort of landing page out there for just another way. Um, but yeah, we, we are 
we are always open to sort of discovering uh, a new person or couple that, that may be interested in learning and growing in this space. And so we regularly work with um, anywhere from one to, to three or four couples, um, sometimes five or six, depending on the, the setting where we are talking about any number of things. A lot of it, a lot of times, if we're going to set up a structured sort of um, uh, process, it's through that five days to new marriage curriculum, which we can do um, either over kind of an eight-week period, spending a couple hours to get together every week for eight weeks. Um, we're actually doing that uh, here in the first week of February with um, three to five couples as we kind of fr- finalize that plan. But that's going to be uh, a Friday night through a Sunday at noon. Sort of a, just a more intense, quick, but it's the same content and discussions. And so the, the small group really, I guess, is something that we really enjoy. Um, we work with individual couples at times for sure. Um, and then we also really love the idea of a marriage intensive, much like we went through at the, at the Hideaway Experience. Um, and, and we've done one of those and look forward to doing more of those in the future. But a lot of our, a lot of our early activities and efforts tend to be just discovering folks who are, they may not be in full-blown crisis. They may just be in a place where they're, they're struggling some and they don't really know how to connect and they don't know how to deal with what we call the pain cycle and the peace cycle. So we like to help them discover those things and how to transition from one to the other. Um, so that's, that's what I would say we spend most of our time. But, but you want to talk a little bit about preparing Rich? And Yes, we both are facilitators uh, trained as in what's called prepare enrich assessment tool. And so we do, we are walking a couple through that right now. And that is a helpful tool um, as well. And then I do have the certification in the level one restoration therapy, which allows us to walk with couples through their pain cycle and their peace cycle, helping them really deal with conflict resolution because that is one of the number one, you know, predictors of divorce. And so if we can help get them out of that, get them off of stuck and moving forward, then we feel like they have a much better chance of moving forward. So those are the things that we are currently doing. And then one other desire we have that we, we've, we've begun um, and we're kind of figuring out what that looks like is, you know, at the, at the end of an eight-week course, for example, or a three-day weekend, I mean, we like the idea of community. You know, you mentioned that early on uh, is, you know, maybe uh, whether it's at our house or finding another location, we've done it at our house so far, is just developing something where we just have a standing Thursday night and whatever couples want to come from previous gatherings, they may know each other, may, they may not know each other, but just people who have a heart after marriage uh, and, a, and, a, and a godly and a healthy marriage, just having people over just to have, you know, a little bit of a little bit of food and, and social time, but then having a topic that we talk about, you know, that's, that's marriage related, yeah. just having that be a kind of a standing um, community, marriage community situation. That's really cool. So what is God working on your marriage today? What are you guys working through today? Well, I mean, the thing that's at the top, I think, of both of our minds right now is, is Lori's going through a, a health battle, um, dealing with lymphoma, and uh, just started, um, you know, treatments last week, and and so um, that's a new, you know, the health battle's been there for a while, the journey's been there for a while, but this is something that's new, and um, and you know, ninety. Five percent of the time, we're we're peaceful and and trusting. Uh, but then there are times where you know just any human's going to struggle with the emotional aspect of what that means, what it could mean. 
Um, and so I think right now he's probably working through us um, to just be there for each other, um, to be, again, in connection with each other and, and where the, the emotions are, um, as well as just the physical love and support, um, you know, that, that Lori needs from me and others. Um, and I think just that ongoing uh, challenge of faith over fear um, it doesn't mean that, that, that we shouldn't be aware, we can't be aware of, of, you know, the scary things out there in life, but, but not getting stuck there and, and helping each other come back to a place of, of trusting that, that God's got this and, you know, whatever happens with the health, he still has a plan and he's still going to, you know, work it for our good. So that's, that's what I would say. I don't know if you have anything else. No, I, I think um, he's really allowing us to just be in a sweet place. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is giving him the opportunity to be the caretaker that I think God has always designed him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's allowing the kids to see what a loving, supportive spouse is to be. So I think that um, we're being able to have an opportunity to really minister in a different way. Well, Scott, Lori, thank you guys so much for being here today. We're going to have a link to your website and the information here. So if anybody wants to reach out, find any information, get plugged in with you guys, um, go check them out. An amazing couple that with an amazing story and you guys even just scratched the surface of that story and God's even still writing new chapters in your story. So thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we appreciate you guys and Lori praying for you through this process. Thank you all very much. Appreciate it.